0: Welcome to the Family Bible Journey. Did you know that when you subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Facebook and Instagram, that you actually make it easier for other people to find the Family Bible Journey? So please, follow and subscribe. And thank you for listening. This is episode 20, season 1 of the Family Bible Journey Old Testament podcast. Today, looking at Genesis chapter 26, the title of today's podcast is Affirmation. In this text, God is going to affirm the promises that he had given to Abraham, this time by giving them again to Isaac. And so we see in chapter 26, beginning in verse 3, God's challenge, God's command, and God's blessing of Isaac. This is what it says. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and to your offspring I will give all these lands... And I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and will give your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my law. So this idea of the promised offspring, it is handed down to this generation. And God is affirming Isaac as the carrier of that promise. And we see that God commends Isaac for the sake of Abraham, his father. And I've got a red Cairo there because anytime God blesses us for the sake of another, we think of the fact that God has blessed us for the sake of his son, Jesus. And the reality that Isaac was blessed because he was his father's son, that's great news for us because that means that we too are blessed for being sons and daughters of the most high God by God's grace in Christ Jesus. And that is a wonderful thing for us. But Isaac, as faithful and loving as he is towards his wife, He is still a sinful man. Abraham is commended by God as being righteous, but we know that he was not perfect. He was faithful. That's the difference. God's people are faithful, even if not perfect. Isaac is going to go into the land of Abimelech, who was his father's friend, and they had a treaty and a pact, a sworn oath together. But remember, this Abimelech is the same guy that Abraham gave Sarah as a wife to. And when Isaac settles in the same land, he does the same silliness as his father and tells Rebekah to tell everyone that she is his sister. And Abimelech, though, thanks be to God, he's, he's a smart guy. He learned the first time. Hey, you've got to be careful with that family of Abraham because they don't always tell you exactly fully what's going on. And we're told that one day that Abimelech sees that Isaac and Rebekah are laughing together. Now, this is a Hebrew idiom, friends, which just like knowing somebody in the biblical sense means sexual relations, this is a close, intimate relationship that has certainly sexual connotations. So he sees that Isaac and Rebecca are more than brother and sister, and he chastises Isaac a little bit for this, but You know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. He had learned his lesson from Abraham and God prevents Abimelech from taking Rebekah as his wife and thankfully protects Rebekah and Isaac from their own foolishness and folly by carrying out the same sort of a farce that Abraham and Sarah had carried out both in Egypt and also then in the region now known as Palestine. And we are told that when Isaac is there, that God blesses him tremendously, that in a single year he reaped a hundredfold what he had planted. Now, friends, for you to understand the significance of that kind of a return on an investment, if I was able to reap in one year, 100-fold for my investment, if I invested $10,000 and reaped a hundredfold in one year, that would mean that I have turned that $10,000 into a million dollars. That's how big of a blessing That Isaac received in that one year. And we know that he had received all the wealth of Abraham. So he's already a wealthy man, and now he goes to being a beyond wealthy man. He has so much wealth that he is no longer able to comfortably live in the region of Abimelech, and he has to move. We see that there is quarreling between his herdsmen and Abimelech's herdsmen. He has to get out of there. But Abimelech recognizes this family is special that this family is special and important to God. And so they make an oath the same way that Abraham and Abimelech made an oath. So too, Abimelech makes an oath with Isaac. And they're honoring each other's family in this way. And as God continues to bless this family, he appears again to Isaac in Beersheba, which is gonna be where he is gonna end up settling. And he says, beginning in verse 24, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you and I will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. So again, we see God affirming his promise and his love and his mercy to Isaac, not for Isaac's sake, but for Abraham's sake. And what does Abraham do in response to the Lord appearing to him and affirming these blessings? In verse 25, we're told that he built an altar, and there he called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. Every time we see God's people being affirmed in their faith, their response, the response to their faith is to build an altar because of that Old Testament sacrificial way that was the way that they remembered God's promises and, and they would slaughter those animals, they would sacrifice those animals to to be reminded of the innocent shedding of blood that was necessary for sins to be forgiven. And so even though they are worshiping in a very different way than we do now, we see that it was a very important part of their life. Isaac built this altar before he even permanently settled in that ground because he was going to be forever a man of God. In his life, the life of his servants, the life of his family was going to be oriented around the life of worship, which was a tremendous blessing. And that was how then they were going to hand this faith down faithfully to the next generation. And I think about that as being something that many of us have lost in our current context. It used to be 50, 60, 70, 100 years ago, that oftentimes a church would be the center of the life of a community. And and there was one church in particular that uh, my wife, she taught in their school. And at one point in time, the church, well, the church was kind of like its own little town. Even the post office box for the members of the church, the people that lived in that community, they were actually in the parsonage of the church. So not only was it a church, but the parsonage was there. The school was there. There was a teacherage there where the teachers lived. It was its own community. And for that rural farming community, that truly was the center of their life together. Their celebrations were held there. Their family reunions were held there. They played sports together there. They gathered together as a community there. They worshiped there. Their funerals were there. Their weddings were there. Their baptisms were there. All of the major life events of that community were right in and around that church. And I think that In many ways, it's like the life of the patriarchs that were oriented around the altar and the place of worship everywhere that they settled. And I fear that for our sake, we have lost a significant degree of that. As many things compete for our limited time, energy, and resources, people are distracted. People are investing themselves in different community organizations they are families are being split. I know of many families that don't have a single night all week where everyone is home around the dinner table anymore because there are so many things that everyone is involved with that are taking us in different ways. And we've lost something because of the way that our lives are currently lived. It doesn't mean that sports are bad. doesn't mean that extracurriculars are bad. But I think we do well to sit back and consider how important the life of faith was to these people that they they quite literally settled where these altars were and returned to those altars at important life events. That maybe some of the reasons why many of us are struggling and, and, and feel like we don't have enough is because we're just trying to do too much. And when there is dysfunction in the local church and that place that we are supposed to go to to receive healing and grace and mercy and love and to be refreshed, sadly for many people has become just another burden. Just another obligation, just another box to check first thing Sunday morning so that I never get a day to sleep in in my life. And over the course of the time, it isn't even that anymore. So we have cause then to pause and reflect on the place in life of that worship part of our life. Is it the central thing in our life? Where we are refreshed, restored, and rejuvenated by God and His grace and His love and His mercy that are given to us in worship? Or is it just one more thing getting in between us and what we think is supposed to be our happiness? I can't answer that question for you, but I can tell you that this particular family and Isaac's family was greatly blessed by being gathered regularly around God's word and making that the focal point of their life. And I hope and I pray that if that isn't the case for you and for your family, that maybe God could use this podcast as an opportunity to spark some personal reflection and to consider maybe ways that You could change either your view of worship or maybe reorient some of your time so that the most important thing, according to God's word, is seen as the most important thing in your life. And I pray that you go through that time of reflection, giving yourself much grace and recognizing that God is here for you in all the moments of life. And that even though we as human beings have a tendency to get distracted and let the important things kind of slide to the wayside, or recede into the dark corners and recesses of our own minds, that you are always at the forefront of God's mind and that he has nothing but love for you each and every day, whether he is your number one priority or, for whatever reason, not even on the list right now. I pray you hear these words, my friend, with love and care for your soul and that these patriarchs can continue to be a blessing to you as they challenge us and bless us as we walk through this life with them. If you want to get in touch with us, the best way is through the contact form on our website at FamilyBibleJourney.com. We love hearing from our listeners. Our blessing for today. May you be affirmed in God's love for you, knowing that the promises he made to Abraham and Isaac are yours in Christ Jesus. Amen.